Hello, and welcome to The Writing Forge, where we discuss tips and tricks for honing your writing. I'm Bonnie. I'm Miranda. And we're your hosts. Let's Let's get get into it. it. Hello, and welcome to The Writing Forge, everybody. I'm Miranda. I'm Bonnie. And today with us, we have our guest, Erin Austin, um, who will be talking with us about balancing writing with a full-time job because that is the reality for a lot of us. Yes. Welcome, Erin. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're very glad to have you here. So, so why don't- Especially me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Miranda is very excited for this episode. I know. Why don't we start with having you introduce yourself, tell us how you got to where you are in the writing world. Great, well, I am a high school French teacher, a national board certified Trainier. teacher. And this is my 21st year teaching, which is weird. Like my teaching career can drink now. Leave it. <laughs> so that's kind of mind blowing. I started my career in Minnesota and moved to Colorado in 2014. The weather's better here. <laughs> And I also, I am dual certified, actually. I had a double major in French and art. So thinking about writing, in my head anyway, a lot of people who are writers were English majors or journalism or some sort of adjacent field. And I majored in a language, just not (laughs) English. And so I think that's that's worth noting because that's part of my story. Um, I also teach AP art history, depending upon the year. So my world is mainly French and art. And over the years, as many teachers find, we have to have multiple jobs to pay for grad school and to make ends meet. And for... Uh, a really long time, I was a yoga instructor. Okay. And I, I still have, con- I don't teach anymore. I quit about a year ago, but I still have contacts in that world. Mm-hmm. And I became friends with the studio owner where I worked and she needed some help with website stuff with writing copy. Oh, and okay. Yeah. So Copy's there was, hard. Little, <laughs> yeah, there was a little, but it was pretty specific to a world that I was in. And I was like, well, I can help you with that. And she wanted to put up bios for the instructors. And she is absolutely fully math and numbers. And that is how her brain works and how she wants it to work. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can help. So I started writing these bios for the instructors. And it was like a paragraph per person. You know, I get some information about them, write a paragraph. And that was just a little something that I did that I got paid for at the studio. And, you know, it was just a little side thing. Then I moved to Colorado. And as with any move, it's kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. And what happened was instead of doing art for myself, I found I just didn't literally have the space for that. Yeah. Um. And like getting out all your art stuff and drawing and painting and whatever, like it takes up a lot of room and and the setup and takedown takes a lot of time. And I needed a creative outlet Mm -hmm. because I wasn't doing studio art. Mm -hmm. And my entire professional life is language. And 
I started getting into that more and I started doing more work for the yoga studio that was back home, but not a big deal because I'm just writing and emailing it to the studio owner. And I started doing more and more work for her and refining my writing. Then there were people kind of in the health and wellness world that I knew through the studio that were like, oh, okay, well, can you write something for me? And <laughs> so it begins. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that, man, there's a lot of people in a lot of realms of business that just don't write well. Yes. <laughs> and Well, they and, write very technically. I like sometimes, sometimes, sometimes not even, but true. Fair. <laughs> well, and it's a little bit weird. I think part of why I love writing is a familial thing. Um, my grandmother was just obsessed with words and talking about their meanings and how they work. And then her daughter, my aunt, um, was an English teacher and throughout her career ended up editing English mm -hmm. grammar textbooks. Nice. <laughs> got to be really good for that. Oh, yeah. And so through her, I got really into growing up finding like in holiday letters, finding all the errors. <laughs> Which are very common in holiday letters. Oh my God. Apostrophes. Apostrophes. <laughs> yes. And I have, I have to teach that in a world language. Hmm. So I was like, wow, writing is a really great creative outlet. It meets that need I have, but it doesn't take up space, like physical yes. space. Hmm. Yeah. It's my computer and I can do it anywhere. So I started doing that more and more. Then I started thinking, well, I have some ideas about education. I've been at this a while. Maybe there are some spaces I can write. And I started seeking out um, different websites and writing guest blog posts, that kind of thing. And mostly not getting paid, yeah. but sometimes <laughs> finding spaces to get paid. Eventually started my own blog um, again, not paid right. by myself. And um, then it morphed into thinking, huh, I've got some ideas here. Maybe I could write a book. And I kind of approached that as I would a teacher. Mm -hmm. So it was like I was writing curriculum. Mm -hmm. and that, And I did that. And then this idea I had, I was like, well, let's see if it has any legs. And so I taught a class for teachers on how to open, fill, and grow a successful online curriculum store. Okay. And I used that class that I taught as my rough draft hmm. and used what the students, other teachers said in class and the questions they asked and put it into like my, my outline. The class went really well. Teachers were really happy. And I was like, okay, I maybe have something here. And I did a lot of research on how to write manuscript proposals. Mm -hmm. And I sent manuscript proposals ranging from 10 to 25 pages <laughs> to, I think, 10 different education publishers and had one bite. Hey, that's right. Nice. And it was a big one. So I got uh, a contract and last year my first book was published. Yay. That's awesome. Congrats. We'll put yeah. a link to that in our episode description. Yes. It'll yeah. go into the show. Um, so that leads us very nicely into uh, our first question is um, when did you 
When did you find time to write? Were you writing during the school year? Were you writing mainly in your off time? Like, were you doing it, you know, did you do it in bursts? Did you do it in little bits? Like, how how did you find time to write being a teacher? So I am coming at writing, again, from an art world. Mm. It is my creative outlet. So when people are doing art, it's different all the time. <laughs> You know, so many people have different mediums and maybe I'm just going to take a sketchbook around and sketch wherever I am, or maybe I'm going to get out all of my painting supplies and buy a giant canvas and whatever. So my creativity background was different. Mm -hmm. It was all over the place. And so that's how my writing became. And so writing the finding time for it as a teacher summer was key Mm, because I'm still working in the summer but it's different like I can flex my time Mm -hmm. so my first book was largely a pandemic project (laughs) and largely in the summer not fully but mostly but other things that I do for writing um writing on blog posts, writing, I'm still writing for the yoga studio and different health and wellness outlets. And I'm doing some blog writing for uh, the Colorado Congress of Foreign Language Teachers. It's when I can, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's over lunch Mm -hmm. because it's like, it's a duty-free time in our contract. So I am able to do that during my lunch period. Sometimes it is literally sitting in a meeting and I have a notebook with me (laughs) and I'm writing down ideas and that counts for me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's when I'm running and I'll get a good idea and I will stop and I'll get out my notes (laughs) and quick put that into my phone while I'm running and I count that. So I know there are a lot of writers that just have like a writing practice where it's like I have to write a certain number of words every day and I have to keep in that rhythm that my life doesn't allow for that. So my rhythm is where does it come up? Yeah. Where can I stop and write something that will help me later? I feel like that's the key thing is figuring out what works for you. Like you said, some people will set the, I need to write 200 words a day, a thousand words a day, something. Um, Other people will say, I need to write a certain number of words a day. I kind of liked what you were saying was like, that counts. I don't know if you have a specific goal, but like some people could could say, well, I just want to write for an hour a week or something. And then then all of your little incidents of, well, sometimes I write over lunch, sometimes I write here, like those all count, like you said, so. My goals are less word counts and less writing in a certain way every day Mm. and more of check boxes in my planner. I have a paper planner. I need (laughs) a tangible thing where I can see everything, but I have check boxes like do this, do that, do the other thing. Sometimes it's writing a bio for the yoga studio. Sometimes it's working on um, getting permissions to use certain images for the book that I'm working on right now. Mm. It all counts. 
Hmm. for me. But I had another thought, which that reminds me of, I help run some Shut Up and Write events. And um, I kind of, I'm always, sometimes people will be like, uh, you know, I need to do some reading today, or I'm sorry, I'm not writing because I need to do something else. And I'm always like, well, if you're doing something that will help you eventually, like, even if what you really need to do right now is clean off your desk, because then you can write better. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm too lax with people, but I I like everything counts. If it's helping push your writing forward, it counts. Yeah. And I think a really big thing for me is I, I remember reading a or not reading, listening to a podcast about writers. And I was doing this while running and there was so much stress (laughs) about, well, what do you do when you're just not inspired? (laughs) And I, I got the feeling that that's probably common. And for me, half of the battle of my writing is being a reader. Hmm. Is that like that inspires you? Yeah. And it, it, when I read, I really take in structure. And there's patterns, you know, there's patterns of structures that work really well and that are engaging and that sticks. And when I read, that's inspiration. So that's part of my practice. I've, I was thinking um, when you brought up the, uh, yeah, because I see those questions all the time, like, I'm not inspired. What do I do? And I that's why I think the writing practice or the, maybe a writing habit is a better way of putting it, because that's kind of what I was thinking when you were describing yours. It's like you just have the habit of writing when you can. So developing some kind of habit, whether whatever your goal is, I think is really important because you're not always going to have inspiration. Sometimes you just have to write. I think that's the biggest lesson for me from pretty much the only time I write anymore is is sometimes during National Novel Writing Month. And um, that's one of the biggest lessons for me then is you're trying to get to a kind of insane goal. Okay, don't the people who just wrote like 100,000 words don't think it's insane. But anyway, um, and so you have to just write, even if you don't feel it, you just have to write and maybe it'll be terrible and you're cut it all later, but at least you're doing it. And some of what you write, you'll think is terrible at the time and you'll go back and you'll be like, oh, that actually wasn't bad. Um, and so you you just, you can't, you can't afford to wait for inspiration. Or, I mean, you can if you don't actually want to write anything for a few years or, or however long it takes for inspiration to hit, which is kind of what I do because I only <laughs> write every few years in November, but... But you do edit all the time. I do. And so I assume you have some of the same struggles as well when it comes to some editing. And well, another thing there that helps is for me, this is like my personal this is this is why I say what matters is figuring out what works for you, because my personality is I need the outside deadlines. That's why NaNoWriMo works for me, because it's someone else saying you have to write 50,000 words this month. No, they don't. They're not going to come hunt me down if I don't. And I've, there have been times where I haven't succeeded at it. But um, setting up some kind of accountability is key. So for me, for editing, like, well, someone paid me. I have a contract that says I have to have this done by this date. So I have to do it now. If you're writing for fun, you're not going to have that, what I call a luxury of a deadline Um, (laughs) in terms of time management anyway. It doesn't feel like it at the time. Yeah. But um, setting up something like that, I think, is key. One thing that I'm going to be playing around with this next year, because I also have a full-time job and I have been struggling the last few months to try and fit in any kind of writing time, Um, like this new job has been, it's great, but it kicks my butt, not going to (laughs) lie. And then I have other obligations as well, as I'm sure many of our listeners do. Like there's, you know, job, family obligations, friends, social life, like, you know, trying to catch up with the latest media and, of course, reading. And, of course, you know, (laughs) somewhere in there writing needs to happen. And doing podcasts. And doing podcasts. Hopefully listening. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And so 
uh, one thing that I'm experimenting with is going to be experimenting with. I'm setting it up. I'm not starting it until the New Year's. Oh, wait. When is this airing? <laughs> <laughs> you will have started it I by the time this started airs. It. Uh, one thing that I will be starting or have started at this point is I'm going to start trying to pay myself ah. for writing. So I'm trying to set up reasonable plan. If I hit certain writing goals, then I get to pay myself like a nominal amount. It's not going to be money? of actual money. Okay. Like I'm going to put it into a separate so account. I think some kind of reward. Y- it could be non-monetary too if you need. I am terrible at non-monetary <laughs> rewards. <laughs> well, so if someone has <laughs> suggestions for that, because stickers are pretty, but also like it doesn't, I don't know, for me, does not feel mm, like after two hours of writing, a sticker feels almost like sad. <laughs> um, so, Well, actually, I think that's so. really interesting because that was a key moment for me in terms of developing my editing business. So I think this is really relevant to anyone who's doing any kind of freelance writing business is my business makes the money and then I pay myself a salary. So I think it's somewhat related to that. And and having that mindset is is important. It also is important for your taxes and things, too. But yes. um, so so especially if you if someone is paying you to write, try to think in terms of that. Well, and in trying to pay myself, one, I'm very motivated by money. Like I have many a story of stupid things that I have done for money. Most of them are entertaining. Only one is sad. Gosh, now we need an episode on Miranda's <laughs> things she's done for money. Wait, okay. Whoa, what? <laughs> no, anyway. nothing bad, I promise. So that way, when I start writing on a regular basis, I can still afford to pay myself. <laughs> I'm going to try and keep the amount of money small, but also like start to pay myself for every session. And so we're going to see how that works out. What has worked for me in the past hasn't been working lately, but what has worked for me in the past is kind of like what you said, Aaron, finding the spare minutes. So like if you're sitting in the doctor's waiting room or if you're in line waiting for your kids to come out of whatever activity they're coming out of, like if you've got a spare 10 minutes just trying to get into the habit of like writing down notes, writing down a paragraph, writing down some dialogue, a lot of that has helped. But yeah, I know for me personally, if I want to get writing done, I have to set aside a good chunk of time. Um, And I'm, again, trying to get better about that. So (laughs) I too will, (coughs) will set up goals for myself or like little rewards that are generally like something that I want to buy, like a clothing item. And I'll be like, yeah, mm-hmm. can't do it until I get things on my writing list, check off, mm-hmm. checked off. And ha- I just work really well with lists. Me too. So yeah. And get even, you know, something that I've already done, putting it on the list just so I can check. Yes. The I do that sometimes too. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm not the only one. It creates momentum, right? Right. And like I said, reading is such a big part of my writing process. I always have a book in my bag with me and kind of a dangerous amount of Angie Thomas's novels (laughs) at stoplights for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, literally we'll pull them out (laughs) or, you know, I live in Fort Collins when a train comes, there's that novel (laughs) Put the car in park, get the book out. And having just a notebook with me so when I'm sitting in a waiting room somewhere, I can be writing because every little piece is part of it. In a way, like smartphones are great for that. Sometimes they can be terrible for distractions in your life or whatever, but you can pull out your phone and write a few sentences in something that you can then easily reference later and put into your book. And it's it's a, it's the modern method of the, you know, the back of the napkin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And actual backs of napkins. And actual backs of napkins still. <laughs> 
I yep. think uh, my sister has a pile of receipts that she wrote on the back of nice. uh, when she worked retail. So. so one thing we haven't really talked about, but I, I felt like I heard in your story a lot was just this idea of like, how can your full-time job benefit your writing practice? Like, how can you use what you're already doing or how can you be inspired by by whatever your full-time job is. I feel like being a teacher, you probably have tons of inspiration there, but. Yeah, so I think in every single job that I can think of, there's writing involved somewhere by someone. So in being a teacher, I'm, I write curriculum and that's what got me my first book about teaching other teachers how to write curriculum and sell it online. I also once I started building up my writing portfolio, was able to get a freelancing job with Teachers Discovery, which is a really big deal in, in my world. They do a lot of, they sell a lot of resources for teachers. And I was hired to write guiding questions for these novels that they had. And huh. that's writing. So oh, that's yeah, it's curriculum, but it's different. And then in the health and wellness world, that's been my side gig all along, but just reaching out and helping people with website copy and with writing bios, no one in the health and wellness world likes to write their own bio. No. I don't know if anyone ever likes to write their own bio, actually. And I love writing them for well, people and I can get paid for it. And so, so I'm going to need your number for after. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Even I have not done this yet, but I want to, even though it would absolutely mortify my friends and family. Uh oh. Every single time I go out to eat at a restaurant, the menu is full of errors. <laughs> full of them. And I have always wanted to just contact the manager and say, listen, I found 28 errors. I will fix them for a $25 gift card to your restaurant, you know? Yeah reaching out to people in maybe unconventional ways and asking to insert yourself into their writing needs in, you know, menus, bios, lots of different things. And I think that like a key thing here is like, even if your goal is to write romance novels or something like any of these kinds of writing that you can pick up and do, like it helps you develop the craft. Even if your ultimate goal is not to be writing restaurant menus, um, just the, the ability to, to look at words and figure out how to make them work better in any context is helpful for whatever your ultimate writing goal is. And it all expands your writing portfolio yeah. and your resume. And for writers, the better you can get at format, the more your editors will Ooh, thank you. Yes, true. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest tip for me is expanding what you think of as a writing practice. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, that's kind of what we were just talking about, too. Yeah. Need to change your mindset, need to be more flexible with what you call your writing practice and not be, I don't know, in my case, not be quite so hard on yourself. Like, Yeah, mercy with yourself is always a big, I think, and an important part. There is no mercy. <laughs> <laughs> or just for people to understand, like, every single way in which you write and take in language mm -hmm. as part of that practice. So it's both productive and receptive. And I think a lot of times people don't consider the receptive part, part mm -hmm. of the process. And it is, I think. Definitely. I think I run into a surprising number of writers. I, I'll always ask like, 
what books inspired you as you were writing this when I'm editing something. And then a lot of them will be like, oh, I haven't read anything in this genre before. Not a lot of them, but some of them. And I'm like, wait, how? What? How are you expecting <laughs> to write? So, I mean, it can be done, but your book will be a lot better if you're reading in the genre and understand. Mm-hmm. I do have a good question. How do you set boundaries with people in your life? Oh. Um, concerning your writing practice? Because I'm assuming as a teacher, your time is very much called upon by your students and fellow staff and stuff like that. And so do you have any good tips or tricks for like being able to to carve out that time or maybe some way to like gently be able to tell your friends and family that, hey, you know, I'm not available right now. Like I need to be able to make space for this. Uh, yes. And I will say that this is not a strength of mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can think of a couple things. Uh, number, I, I like to, I'm a yes person. So for anyone who is getting into the practice of saying, I cannot help with that, but I know someone Mm. because then you still feel helpful, but it doesn't take your time. That's just a good life skill generally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And it comes with networking too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And a second one, get a good therapist that can help you. (laughs) Also generally good life life hack. Yeah. Yeah. Like my therapist that I had in, in Minnesota, I called her my mental masseuse. Like, you know, <laughs> and she said, she's like, Aaron, it's like a closet. Your life is like a closet. And that spoke to me because I like clothes. <laughs> and she's like, you can't just keep putting new clothes in. When new clothes go in, something has to come out. Mm. So mm. every time I say yes to something, I think, okay, what can I get rid of so that there's an even exchange and same thing with writing. And see, my yeah. toxic trait is I can just repack that closet. Watch me. <laughs> so I've done that a lot. Until, but it only it, it only goes so far. Point where everything crumbles, yeah. and that's not productive for anyone. <laughs> I'm trying to get better at not doing that, but that is my instinct when someone's like, "No, you can't fit more in there," and then my instinct is always to go watch me. <laughs> so. Yeah. Just uh, figure out how to channel I, that instinct. <laughs> yeah. I just, I thought of one more thing that I think is important for people that that's not about saying yes and no and to whom, but with inspiration, I think so often people in any realm, writing included, get a singular focus. Mm. And I just don't know many people who are only inspired by one thing. So if you're a writer and you're only thinking reading and writing and it just puts you in a tunnel, some of the best ideas I've had for writing and times that I've come up with a way to solve something that I was trying to figure out have been when I'm running and listening to a podcast of one of my favorite musicians being interviewed. Something that has nothing to do with writing, but that gives me inspiration just in life. So I think it's important to understand that not everything has to be writing focused. If you're doing something that's inspiring just in general, trickle down happens. And that goes back to the giving yourself mercy too. Like that counts. It all counts. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think that's a great note to end on because I think that's all the time time we have for today. (laughs) Like, yeah, I could definitely keep talking about this for a while and its different aspects. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us, Erin. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's fun. And then a question for our listeners today is, how do you fit writing into your schedule? Let us know on our social media. Stay sharp, friends. Stay sharp, my friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Writing Forge, a Writing Heights podcast brought to you by Nagano Press. To learn more about The Writing Forge, check out our social links in the episode description. Subscribe to The Writing Forge wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review. For more informational writing content, be sure to become a Writing Heights member.